Well, I'm so glad y'all are here. It's kind of a bittersweet Sunday because we're, we're finishing the Book of Acts series. And as a Bible teacher, I have this tension, this, this angst at the fact that we chose, of course, to do it differently. We didn't choose to do it linear. I made up this word and someone told me that it wasn't made up. Linearly, it's actually a real word when I started this, um, and verse by verse, but we chose to choose these themes Um, But as a Bible teacher, that's hard. I want to tell you everything that happened in the book of Acts. And uh, uh, we just don't have two years because honestly, that's how long it would take. Uh, There's a lot in here. Um, So I've been having this tension of how do you land this plane? And, And the reality is that this common thread, this theme that has gone through uh, is where we need to end. We, we need to end in this place where we realize the Holy Spirit has been marching through as our main character in this book, guiding the church, taking us along uh, this, this journey from scared Jesus followers uh, to the place we find ourselves even today as a strong, vital, thriving church. Not just a building or a place. You heard Clint share that a couple weeks ago. But as a people, a person as part of the body, as part of the community moving forward, a a church that relies on the Holy Spirit, able to face social and cultural differences and obstacles, a group of disciples who can discern a call and be obedient to that, accountable to the body, a people not afraid of the supernatural or of suffering, always searching out the joyous, searching out the amazing, an ordinary people doing extraordinary things through the Holy Spirit, knowing ultimately it will bring about transformation. That that has been kind of this common theme throughout this whole movement of Acts. That growing, that transformation that comes with the kingdom moving. But, again, because of that Bible teacher in me, there are some things that we didn't cover that were here in the book of Acts, but also in other places where Paul wrote to the other churches. And here in a second, there's just going to be a shotgun of scripture. You do not have to turn to these. They're going to be up on the screen. But I want us to be kind of awestruck at some of the things that we have gone through and some of the things that we didn't even touch on. I want us to experience that a little bit as a church. So here's what we're going to do. You can turn to Acts chapter 26 if you want to, because that's where we're ultimately going to land. But there's going to be some scriptures between here and there. Like I said, these things that took place that I think will help us understand how important the gospel moving is. The realization that the gospel cannot be stopped. And I'm going to start here, and like I said, you do not have to try to follow along, but listen to these things. Here's one thing. We didn't, the second probably most important character, uh, probably third, you know, Jesus, probably fourth. (laughs) God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Paul, who we follow throughout this entire book, we don't get a full scope of what he experienced. And in 2 Corinthians, here's just a glimpse. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. 
Okay, that, that's a scourging. That's what Jesus experienced on the day of his crucifixion. It shredded human beings. He had that five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in j- danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people. Those are the Jews, his own people. Danger from the Gentiles. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers. In toil and in hardship through many a sleepless nights. In hunger and thirst. Often without food and cold exposure. And apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. This is the man who took the gospel and faced those things. And I'm betting he probably had others that he just didn't list out. And not only did he face those things, he he faced those in places that I don't know that we truly understand. You see, here in our part of the world, and if you haven't visited Asia Minor, you probably have no clue what it looks like, but we probably all envision the Middle East as all the same, arid, flat, few hills here and there, dunes, that sort of stuff, rocks. But listen, that is not what it's like. Here's a picture. This is a picture of the Taurus Mountains. Okay, Paul grew up on the Mediterranean side of these mountains. These are 14,000-foot peaks, people. He had to cross these mountains up to five times to spread the gospel and it didn't stop him. In our minds, he jumped on a donkey or his his sandal leather and just walked everywhere on these great Roman roads. But the gospel didn't stop. Things that we missed, there were other things, things like the Ethiopian eunuch, okay? One of my favorite stories in in, in the book of Acts in chapter eight that he, he is in the service of the queen of Ethiopia. He has access to the queen. And while on the road, the desert road between Jerusalem and the coast of Mediterranean, he meets up with Philip and Philip shares the gospel with him and he says, why shouldn't I be baptized right now? And here's the deal. There are not bodies of water between Jerusalem and the Mediterranean along the Jerusalem on the desert road. He was more than likely baptized in a trough filled with water and donkey spit. The gospel didn't stop. And then he took it. And you can actually, some histories trace this moment back to the impact of Christianity in Ethiopia. The gospel didn't stop in the desert road, it spread. These are things that we didn't hit on, but there's so much in the book of Acts. And there's, there's more that, that, like I said, would take so much time. But, and to say this, I hope that you don't stop here. That this just kind of, What's your whistle a little bit? And that you continue to read the book of Acts. If you haven't grabbed one of those brochures, one of those handouts that we gave, take one today. It'll be useful anytime you jump into the book of Acts because there's so much more there. But all of this, all of this was for one purpose, that the message and the kingdom of God would spread that the gospel would move into the ends of the earth. Remember, we spoke on that Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And not just so we could hear this really cool story about a guy from 2,000 years ago who walked around with 12 other guys and shared some really cool stuff, okay? This is transformational, eternal, saving things. That's the gospel of Christ. That is the thing that is moving forward. And it was to fulfill God's ultimate plan. And what is that plan? Well, we've heard the personal side of it. 
We've heard the personal side of it, and this is the place where you're going to get ready. There's going to be a lot of scriptures up there. And I hope the impact of how much scripture there is sits on your heart, sits on your spirit. But we've hit the personal stuff, that stuff of movement into people and how it transformed them. So get ready. Here it comes. Acts chapter 2, 37 through 38. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 41. So those who received the word were baptized, and they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Acts 2, 47. Praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Acts 4 4. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Remember, they only counted the men. It was their way of things at the time. It was more than just men. Take that 5,000 and up it. Acts 6, 6, these they set before the apostle and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Acts 12, 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. We heard in Acts 16, 14 about the household of Lydia and, it give, and that whole household giving their lives to the Lord. We heard about the jailer in Acts 16, 33 and his whole household being transformed. We jump to Acts 17, 3 through 4, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus, whom I'm proclaiming to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas and did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Acts 17, 12. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women and of high standing as well as men. Acts 17, 34. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also was Dionysus, the Arapagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. Acts 18, 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Acts 19, 20. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. I know I missed some. But this ultimate plan of the Lord, we have seen the personal impact of transformation of those being saved by the message, the mercy and grace of Christ. These moments are where people fully surrendered. But this is just a step in that ultimate plan. That ultimate plan of the kingdom and the king moving it forward. So what is God's end game? Remember, this right here is the whole story. We live in a world where people will take just snippets of scripture and agendize it for themselves. But this, from start to finish, is God's plan. His love story for us. Acts is a part of that. We hear more about his plan in other places, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world, the whole world, as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We don't know neither the time nor the date, but we know the process by which Jesus will come back, and that is when all nations have heard of him. Revelation continues that thought in 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth to every nation and tribe and language and people. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain, and by your blood you, you ransomed people for God and every tribe and language and people and nation. 
This movement that we see in Acts is part of God's conclusive work of redeeming all of that that belongs to him and the destruction of all that is separate from him and evil. We don't say that enough. God's ultimate plan is to redeem those who belong to him, to bring back this perfect kingdom and unfortunately leave behind those who have chosen not to follow. Those words have to be said occasionally. The ultimate plan of God is to make his perfect kingdom real again, not just to us here, but to every tribe, every nation, every skin color, every language, every socioeconomic situation, every culture. That is God's ultimate plan. And guess what? We get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of that. This is not a chore nor a burden. This is an honor. Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not, never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We get to deliver the good news. A gospel that cannot be stopped. And that was just the introduction of my message. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I pray that you would, that you would speak to our hearts and our spirit right now. That you would remind us right now, even in a commissioning, that the gospel can't be stopped. Lord, hear us call on your name for that strength and equip and encourage us to be part of that. In Jesus' name, amen. So, all of that to say this. We're at the end of the book of Acts, and I'm sure some of you were thinking to yourself when you saw the need to know, and you're like, what do you mean chapter 29? There's no chapter 29 in the book of Acts. You're sitting in the seats right now as the book of Acts chapter 29. We have an opportunity to move forward and continue to write this great movement with the help of the Holy Spirit. And Paul, right down to the last minute, was doing it. So in Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 19, here's where we find ourselves. Paul is on the tail end of his final journey. You heard two weeks ago when Clint shared this story about Agabus the prophet telling Paul, please don't go there. You're going to be bound up and you're going to be taken to your death. Well, this is where Paul finds himself. He's on trial for trumped up charges. The Jewish religious leaders are trying to stop him and the message that he is sharing. And he's in front of Herod Agrippa II. This is the great-grandson to Herod the Great. We heard a couple weeks ago uh, a message about who he was. Herod the Great was the king of the Jews who in the, the Christmas story put to death all the two years or younger males in the region. This is his great-grandson. He's also there with his sister Bernice and the regional Roman governor Festus. 
Huge kind of political structure going on here. Paul is now in trial in front of them. He just shared his testimony. That's an important point. Every one of you has a testimony if you know Jesus Christ. If you have nothing else, you have that. But you have much more. You have that. You have the Holy Spirit. You have this. But Paul shares his testimony of being converted on that road to Damascus that we heard so many weeks ago and how he accepted that call from God, from Jesus, to be the messenger to the Gentiles. And now he's before the king. Think of that. Before the king, he is sharing the gospel. Acts 26, 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had, <clears throat> excuse me, to this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. That the Christ must suffer and that by, the be by being the first to rise from the dead, he will proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Here's something in that. He said, because of Moses and the prophets, he didn't even have the New Testament. He was still writing it. <laughs> And he had enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. Let's take a breath right there. Festus is sitting there as the governor of the Roman politic in that region. And the words of the gospel sound like insanity to him. You will probably have moments when you share the gospel with someone where it sounds like insanity to them. Scripture says that this message that we have is both death and life, the aroma of death and life. But it didn't stop Paul. See, they knew of Paul being this man of great learning. Last week, Len shared a small snippet out of these Greek poets and philosophers. What you didn't see is that one of those Snippets comes from a poem, a, a, a writing, that when printed out in 12 font on 8.5 by 11, single spacing spaces over five pages. Soak that up a little bit. Paul probably didn't sit at home in Tarsus or Troas or when he was getting ready to leave and say, I'm going to read all of this because when I get to Athens, I'm going to pull this section out. The likelihood is that Paul, in his preparation, remember we talked about preparing to send, to go to cultures? He said, this may be important to me one day, and he probably had the whole thing read and memorized, and then went, I'm going to use that. So Paul was incredibly intelligent, and that probably was well known among the people. However, it didn't faze him when Festus responded when it smelled like the aroma death to him. He kept on going. Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly, for I am persuaded that none of these things have escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. 
And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become as I am, except for these chains. That all would hear what I am saying, that they would surrender their lives to Jesus. That this message that Paul came to them with, that he had been spreading not only to the normal people, to people of great stature, to the poorest, to the least of these. He is now sharing with a king. It didn't stop him. This gospel will not stop. He didn't care. The gospel was on his lips all the time, and and Paul is in chains ready to head off to Rome because Paul knew shared with you a couple weeks ago that Paul was a Roman citizen. And Paul knew a few chapters back when he said, take me in front of Caesar, that it didn't matter what judgment he got between here and Rome, he was going to Rome. He had to. It was the law. And he is going to drop the gospel on everyone on the way to Rome. Kings and governors alike. The poor that he bumps into in a shipwreck. The guard who is chained right beside him. All the people that he comes in contact with. Because now, and you can, change, you can turn to Acts chapter 28, we're going to be in t- verse 23, and now Paul, in the final days, again, sharing the gospel. And I want to give you some background because he's in, in Roman times, often, you had to pay for your own prison cell. Paul had some special privileges, especially as a Roman citizen. So he had his own, basically, prison apartment. A guard would have been stationed with him all the time. He had to pay for the apartment. He had to have people supply his food. Okay, There weren't three squares a day. This is where he finds himself now. Towards the end of his time, the last chapter of Acts, when they had appointed a day for him, that day for him to come and, and give his final account, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. The first missionary, probably incredibly adept at sharing the gospel, had those who rejected him and his message. Hear that. That's important. It will happen. It's just par for the course. Embrace the failures. But don't give up. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers, through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. This is the Jewish people. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And this is the finish to Paul's story in chapter 28. 
He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Without all boldness and without hindrance. He was still in prison, still chained to a guard, and that didn't hinder him. He's still bold. Right up until the last. Paul faced his final judgment in front of Nero and was beheaded for what he believed and what he taught. And it isn't written, but I'm going to assume this about Paul. And I don't think this is sacrilegious, but I'm going to assume the gospel was on Paul's lips until the axe fell. I'm going to assume that the Holy Spirit empowered him right to the end. I'm going to assume by his track record that he didn't try to argue for his freedom, to try to argue against trumped-up charges from Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem. His reputation and what we see in Scripture would say that more than likely he was praising Jesus and telling people about it, even the people who were condemning him to death, even to the man wielding the axe. This is the finish of Paul's story, but not the finish of the movement of the gospel. He went down swinging, and guess what? He wasn't the only one. So here's an expanded map of kind of the map we've been working with for a while. I, I've moved it out a little bit. You can see it kind of going uh, over all of Asia there. You see, by this time, thousands of people, and that's probably not an exaggeration, thousands of people had heard the message of Christ. Paul's ultimate goal was to go all the way over there. You see Spain, and if your geography is bad, it's the one right there above Africa. The Strait of Gibraltar is there. Portugal's there now on that map. His goal was to get to Spain because that was the end of the earth to this culture. There's actually a place in Portugal called Sagers, which is labeled the end of the earth. That was Paul's goal. Paul's goal, even in knowing that he probably wasn't going to make it, he wrote the book of Romans as a manual, as a manual of what it meant to follow Christ, believe in him, surrender to him, no longer be a slave to sin, as a manual, as a manifesto to move the gospel where he couldn't get. But he wasn't the only one. The next slide you're going to see here is a picture of the disciples, those Guys we've been following that love Jesus and were picked by him. These are the places that history and legend, they're not conclusive, but this is where history and legend says that they were martyred. Not just where they went to spread the gospel, but where they were martyred. Look at that, Thomas, all the way in India, Simon the Zealot in the British Isles. Just a group of 12 guys. And Paul going around and spreading the gospel, doing that on sandal leather <laughs> in just 30 years. This map misrepresents, though, what other believers did, what other followers did in spreading this gospel. And the crazier part of this is this happened without solid transoceanic transportation, the printing press, telegraphs, railroads, recordings, phones, cars, air travel, computers, social media, the internet. 
This happened on their feet. What more could we do with what we have? What does 30 years look like for us if we're obedient and chasing after those and sharing the gospel on our lips everywhere we go? How much further does our map expand when we choose our three and we share the gospel with them? When we sit in coffee shops and listen to people's life story and tell them that Christ is the way. This is what will continue and what I will hope our church will be as we continue to write Acts chapter 29. As we continue to go across the street and over the border. As we, the church, you and I, like we heard a few weeks ago, the body, the people, not the building or the location, but as we go into all places and share this gospel. Because the gospel can't be stopped, and because we're a church that is about this, I'm going to invite uh, a couple up here. You've met them before. Everybody give it up for the Hackett's as they come on up here. So we've had the opportunity to introduce you to the Hackett's a couple times. Uh, they actually lead our missions team here at the church, um, and you've heard a few of their stories. We're going to share some more of that today and remind you, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to reintroduce you to them as we talk about this gospel that can't be stopped. I'm actually going to have Katie kind of reintroduce her family to you, so go for it, Katie. That's me. I'm Katie, um, and this is Daniel, married. And those are our three kids up there. Um, the little one is Theodore, he's 18 months. The older boy is George, he's six. And the girl is Evelina, she's four. Um, and God just placed a really clear call in our lives to serve with the Alliance um, as international workers. And so we've just been really pressing really hard into that call ever since, it's been a few years. Um, just a lot of different types of preparation. Um, and hopefully this summer uh, we want to move closer to uh, the church, Wadsworth area. Right now we live in Orville, which is 30 minutes away. And um, also right now we're, we're considered candidates, so we would like to apply and become applicants to the process of becoming an IW. So um, that's just kind of where we're at. Um, so that's a lot of stuff to pray for right there, and even just with the move and the kids and all of that transition and stuff. So. Yeah, and if you heard it in there, they're, they're moving closer because one of their goals is to continue to build relationship. We're going to be their sending church uh, on this, this new journey for them. So if you have any leads on places for them to land here closer to the church, let us know. You can talk to them and back. Um, but I'm going to put another map up here. Um, and I, I need to preface this because the last map had a bunch of martyrs on it. This is not how this is meant to be. Um, the place that they are feeling called to go to is Mongolia. Um, and I can't wait for you to hear just what God has been doing. Oh my gosh, it just, I'm getting chills thinking about it. But I've asked them to share a little bit about kind of an overview of Mongolia, um, what it looks like spiritually and, and according to uh, the need that they have and even how they're going to meet that need. So I'm going to have Daniel kind of start that with us just to give you kind of a picture of what Mongolia is like. 
Um, spiritually speaking, the majority religion, uh, a little over 50%, is Buddhist. It's a Tibetan Buddhism, but it's also mixed in with um, shamanism, which is like witch doctors. Um, 40% there is no faith, and that's kind of residual from the Soviet communist times. There's about a 3% Islamic population, and that's a Kazakh subculture that moved over from Kazakhstan, uh, again, in the communist times. Um, and then Christianity, less than 2%, and evangelicals, less than 1%. And when you think of, when you look at Mongolia, like it's a really, really big area of, of the earth there. Um, and it's, it's actually comparable to the size of Alaska, and it's got about three million people in it. So it's a lot of space, and the people are spread out, and there's a lot of land that they're not living in. Um, and of those three million people, 98% um, are just completely unreached, so. Yeah, think of that. It's how big and vast that is. Plus, you may be thinking, you know, what, what does this mean now with kind of what's happening over there with Russia and all of that? Because when they started this process, uh, the conflict with Ukraine had not started. Um, and you, you may have some questions on that. Um, there are actually kind of two answers to that. There's a historic answer and kind of a, uh, we're part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Um, so I'm going to let them speak into that uh, about what it's like, the climate for them as they think about heading over there. Historically, historically speaking, um, Mongolia has had really good ties with Russia. They maintain good ties with Russia and also good ties with China as well. Um, and they're working on cultivating their third neighbor ties, which they consider to be Europe, um, the United States, Japan, and South Korea. But ever since um, they were communists along with Russia, they've gotten along really well with them and they've been able to maintain that up to this point. Even though with the new conflict that's going on, it's putting some strain in it, they're still doing a good job of maintaining pretty, um, uh, pretty independent of that. Um, the other part is, you know, God put the call in our hearts and he gave us the location very clearly. So I trust that. We trust that as a family. And um, he'll close the door if we're not supposed to go. So I have complete faith in that. Um, but also going with the Alliance, um, if they're still sending people there, we're gonna go because I trust the Alliance and all the work that they do for their IWs and the families. We know how much they care and love the people who serve in this way. So um, I just, we just have complete trust in the whole process. That's pretty amazing. So could you two speak to the need? You know, there, what, what is happening there currently and then how are you guys going to or envision meeting that need over there? Um, currently, there is a CMA a national church. They're part of the Alliance World Fellowship. Um, and, but there's 20 churches in Mongolia. Yeah, and 20 churches sounds like a lot, but there's only 500 people in those 20 churches. Sean, how many people that, come to Freshwater? That's us <laughs> on a Sunday morning. So picture that. If 20 churches, and on an average Sunday morning between our two services, we're up near that 500 mark. That's... that. That, this, there's such a need. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and those churches are spread out over this vast area as well. So networking those churches has been difficult. And that's what Access, which is a branch of Alliance Missions, is working towards. And we'll have some to do with that, but we're actually going over with Kama, which is another branch of Alliance Missions uh, that stands for Compassion and Mercy Associates. 
and it's the relief and development branch. And God has been working in Katie and I's lives um, for so long to prepare us for that. Um, both of our degrees and also the professional licenses that I have and the time that we spent in Azerbaijan with the Peace Corps as um, community development volunteers has been getting us ready to be able to go over there alongside people in these communities to help them realize their God-given potential. It's pretty amazing um, all the things that have kind of God has put into place, all these different God-directed steps. Um, and I think it's, you're, gonna, you're just going to be amazed by this. But if you remember back, we had the opportunity to celebrate with the Hackett's uh, when a, a gift came in to eliminate all of their school debt, all of their education debt. And that was such an amazing day, these steps that God's been putting in place. But it doesn't end there. So they're a part of LEAD. LEAD is a program that we have in the CMA uh, to help grow folks into leadership roles, whether that be pastoral or international workers. Uh, it's, it's a pretty extensive program uh, that stretches over two years. Uh, they're a part of that right now. It's actually one of the next steps that they have to complete uh, as they move towards their application uh, process. Uh, but they do these vision trips, and they usually go to envision sites around the world. I know one is in Spain, and, and they go and do these envision sites to help support that ministry. But, but something's different with this one. I'm going to let them share just another God story in this. Um, there's no envision sites in Mongolia. <laughs> so when Katie and I started this process, we asked Lead if it would be possible for us to go to Mongolia and use that as our, our trip. And they graciously said yes, absolutely. But along with that, uh, the rest of our cohort, which is about eight people, including Katie and I, um, just recently sat down and kind of decided with everything that's going on in Mongolia, even you know with the political issues, and Mongolia's on the other side of the world, so it takes a lot of money and time to get over there to do some work. Um, even with all that, when given the options of some things closer to home, the rest of the group said, God's not calling us. He's not speaking us to any of these other things. God's calling us to go to Mongolia to participate with what he's doing there through Katie and I. And it was a really big moment for us that um, is pretty amazing to be a part of. But wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, so... We also um, asked Lead if we could take our son, George. He has asthma and he has some environmental allergies. And um, it was advised that we you know, bring him if we can from people in Mongolia that we've been talking with um, just to see how his, he reacts. In Mongolia, they have really, really harsh winters and they burn a lot of coal, which creates pollution. So we wanna see how he can um, just be in that climate. Uh, so they gave us the okay with that, which is awesome. And we've never really been worried about, you know, finances ever since God took care of my student debt. Um, so basically, that was going really well. And then um, the end of last year, through a friend here at church, uh, they gave us $5,000 towards missions, towards our missions life. And so we took that away and we said, we are definitely gonna put that towards taking George. Well, uh, whenever uh, we got the details about this vision trip happening next March, they gave us the cost per person, which is exactly $5,000. So God pretty much was like, I'll take care of George so you guys don't have to worry about that. God has been directing these steps 
And I know they still have some more steps that they have to go through. Um, this next year for them, uh, we've already mentioned, is kind of this relationship building and, and getting, uh, one, for us to know them and them to know us more, um, <clears throat> but also fundraising and that sort of thing. So uh, if you would like to help, um, they have printed out a prayer card. It will be back at the missions table. Uh, it has information about the trip, their, their vision trip, because that's what we need help with right now, supporting that. Uh, that's in March 2023. If you're interested in that, it's got all the details on it. But if you can't help financially, that's also a prayer card. Just take one, put it on your fridge, continue to pray for the Hackett's and, and just all the amazing things. I'm so proud of them and, and what they have done and what they're continuing to do. Um, but continue to pray for them. We want to have more of those God stories because I'm convinced, you know, there are still steps. I'm convinced that in two years, a little over two years, they're going to be in Mongolia where the gospel won't stop. They'll be a part of that movement we will be able to have our hand in that here as we see someone go to the ends of the earth. I'm going to pray for them. Uh, oh, I forgot one thing. Another opportunity, uh, May 7th is the next mission spotlight. Uh, we're doing those quarterly. Uh, it's on a Saturday morning from 9 to 11. Uh, the spotlight that Saturday morning will be the Hackett's. So you can come and hear more about Mongolia, hear more about their vision for that, more ways to, to get to know them and see what needs they're going to have. Please come to that. There's lots of donuts. Um, that shouldn't be the only cause of coming. But that's, that's why you're going. That's right? why I go. <laughs> I already know all this stuff. No. Um, but we'd love for you guys to come to that. That information's on that card as well. Let me pray for them, and then we'll finish up the book of Acts. Father God, Lord, we just praise you for what you've already done in the Hackett's life. Lord, we praise you that you choose people to be the hands and feet of your gospel. Even if we were all disobedient, you would call rocks out to scream your truth. But I'm thankful that you have been calling us, you've called the Hackett's, and we have been found in a way that is obedient. Father, continue to stretch us in that way. Lord, I lift them up and all the details that still have to come. Lord, I pray for housing, I pray for finances. Lord, I pray for all the details. Uh, and you're a God of details and you can handle it. But we praise you more that you've called this couple and their family to spread your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for the Hackett's. <clears throat> so I hope that you've heard a common thread. I hope you've heard this common thread throughout the book of Acts of how this movement of the kingdom looks because it hasn't stopped and it will not stop. I hope you have seen and will start applying to your life. I know as a leadership, we are wanting this for our church, but I hope you have seen a people saved by Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in community with the body, engaging with the world around them, furthering the gospel of Jesus. That, that is at the core of the book of Acts. That is at the core of this entire book. That should be and will be the core of Freshwater as we continue to move out and be a people, be a people that sees a world around us and wants to turn it upside down. That we would be called around our community, our Jerusalem, our Judea. You're gonna see a map up here around Ohio 
around our Samaria and to the ends of the earth, the people would say, what is different about those people? What is happening in this church? Who are these? Fill in the blank your name, your group, your community group, your ministry. Who are these people who are turning the world upside down? Because here's the deal. This world needs to be turned upside down for Christ. So I hope you have heard a call to that. We're going to move into a time of worship and communion. Consider this time, this, this moment of remembrance, this, this moment, this, this coming full circle back to Christ and his sacrifice. Consider this a moment where you hear him call you. And I hope that you would be obedient that you would be a person that loves on your neighbors, those who are near to you, that you would be a person who goes after those who don't look or sound like you, that you would be a person that would take this message to the ends of the earth. Father God, send us now as, as the body of Christ, saved, redeemed, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, send us now with the gospel on our lips. In all things, whether in suffering or joy, whether in the good or the bad times, send us as a people who share the gospel and our testimony and our actions and our love from your scripture. Continue the book of Acts through us as we move your gospel forward. Amen.